You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel. Entire family, love you. And we are here to rejoice with you for the wonderful act of God in this place. Well, you are stepping into another year, another year of grace and glory. Things will get stronger and better in Jesus' wonderful name. Let's honor Jesus and honor his servants again as we put our hands together for the Lord. Amen. The theme of this program is revived to revive. If you like modern language, stay alive to keep others alive. Be on fire to burn everywhere. Like the testimony of John. In John chapter 3 verse 35, Jesus referring to him, he said he was both a burning and a shining light. John 5, 35, please. Jesus testifying of John the Baptist. He was a burning and shining light. He was a burning and shining light. I pray that every one of us here tonight will live here as a burning and shining light. That means no chaff will survive around you again. I thought I'm praying for someone here. Yeah. Amen means let it be so. Do you want it so for you? Yeah. Let your amen show it right now. Yeah. I said you will live here as a burning and a shining light. Yeah. That means you enter into a place nobody will ask who are you. Because they will see it on you visibly. You know, <laughs> we are getting to a time when uh, you won't need introduction. Get to a place, the place, the atmosphere changes. That is what Jesus sent us to do, a burning and shining light. When you don't have to speak to demons to go out, when you are coming, they advise themselves to clear up the way. When I'm going anywhere, I don't pray, oh Lord, don't let devils be on my way. I'll be delighted if they come my way. Because that will be opportunity for power and glory show. From now, you will become a burning and a shining light in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, I'll be teaching on sustaining revival by fanning the spirit of love. The greatest contest we are having today is the contest of our love for God. And please follow me very carefully. You cannot be a lover of God and be cold about the things of God. We need a revival of love. A revival of love. Our love for God must come alive again. 
Because love is as fire. <laughs> no amount of water can quench it. But before we go further into that, I want us to examine ourselves because the scripture says examine yourself and see whether you are in the faith or not. First, Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Examine yourself. And I want us to go through certain examination now. See, when you go for um, medical test, you are helped to be examined. But when it comes to spiritual things, nobody can examine you like you. Examine yourselves and see whether you be in the faith or not. How do I know I am in a revival? How do I know whether I am on fire or not? How do I know? How can I test my spiritual temple? Because nobody knows you like you. Don't engage in self-deception and hypocrisy. And surface dressing that is everywhere around the church today. Everybody looks good, but inside you, you know who you are. You know who you are. We live in a generation when uh, um, you can't comfortably stand for anyone again. You can't comfortably vouch for anyone again. We live in a generation when you can't travel and leave your wife with your neighbor. Even in the church. Oh yes. All of us know what I'm talking about. We live in a generation where brothers can't trust brothers again in business matters. Because once money touches his hand, his body is shaken. The temperature changes. The chemistry of the body is altered. And that's inclusive of pastors on the altar. How do I know whether my soul is revived or is dead or dying? Because revival means being awake, being hot for God. Being in the spirit or being in the flesh. Refusing carnality, but maintaining high tension spirituality. That's revival. Hot for God. And dangerous to the devil. How do I know I'm in a revival? Number one, when your heart begins and continues to seek for God with genuine repentance. This is a missing factor today and that's why revival is held up. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 3 he said, because of your forehead of wooden, therefore the showers have been withholding, and there had been no little rain, and thou hast a worse forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. We live in a generation where many in church today don't know the meaning of repentance again. They live in sin, and they still lift up their hands and worship. We live in a generation where people find excuses and explanations for their wrongdoing. And unfortunately, 
others help them to make such excuses. Somebody lied and they said it's a slip of tongue. Somebody committed adultery. They say it's because his wife is not around. What an excuse. We dress and window dress sin today when we should name it to tame it. Because what you don't name, you cannot tame. Joseph said, how can I do this wickedness and sin against my God? He understood that sin is wickedness. Today, we describe sin as mistake. That's why we are wallowing inside sin. And according to that scriptures, the rain is withheld from us. Because God's eyes are purer than to behold evil. Genuine repentance is one great factor that brings about revival. When the hearts of men are melted and truly sorry for the sin that they commit. <laughs> Today we describe certain lie as white lie and another one as black light. White lie. Lie is lie. It doesn't matter who makes it. Including on the altar. All of us who are privileged to be pastors here, beware of what you say on the altar. Don't exaggerate things. Say it the way it is. Repentance must precede revival. Personal repentance will keep you personally revived. Maintaining brokenness of heart and contactness of spirit is a requirement for revival. Psalm 51 verse 17. Isaiah chapter 66 verses 1 and 2. Very clear word from the Lord. A broken heart and a contrite heart. Thou, O Lord, will not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Broken spirit. That was David. Who repented genuinely after he was caught in evil. The sacrifice of the Lord is a broken heart. A broken and a contrite heart. Thou, O Lord, will not turn back. And then in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 and 2. He said, look, you are trying to impress me with too many things. With your sacrifices here and there. Toss here the heaven is my throne and the heart is my footstool. Where is the house that he built unto me? Today we have many decorated houses. And where is the place of my rest? You think I'm there? Thank God for beautiful houses of God. I believe in it. I project it. I'm a part of the light. some builder of it. For all those things are my hand made. And all those things are been. Say the Lord. It's not new to me. But to this man will I look. To this man will I look. Even to him that is poor. Who admit to be poor and not to be rich spiritually living in sin and of a contrite spirit and a man who trembles at my word. Today people don't tremble at the word of God again. A man hears his, the pastor speaking by the spirit. Stop fighting your wife. And he says, well, that's pastor. And threatens the wife. You see something today. No more trembling at the word of God. 
Fornicators don't tremble at the word of God again. Adulterers don't tremble at the word of God again. Scammers in the church don't tremble at the word of God again. You think God would waste, 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 his, waste his time with people who have no regard for him? No. No. Ahab the king was a very wicked king. His wife was helping him. Uh, she was a, you know, uh, cabinet of lies. And he, <laughs> but when the word of the Lord came to hear, he repented. He walked softly. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 27, 28, and the Lord says, see how he humbled himself. God wants to see genuine humility in our heart. Genuine humility in our heart. See how he humbled himself. Joel chapter 2. Many of us are familiar with the end time army out there. But after the description of the end time army, the actualization of it was going to begin with repentance. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. All the way to verse 19. Without genuine repentance, seeking after God, turn ye even to me with all of your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. These are elements that makes for genuine repentance. And rend your heart and not your garment and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repented him of the evil. If you turn to him, if you know, who knows whether he will repent and bring back to us the blessing and the offerings and he will be jealous over his people. And restore back to them all that they have lost. We need genuine repentance. What does that mean? Keep your conscience awake. If you lie, let your conscience listen to your conscience. As soon as I tell, Oh Lord, I'm sorry. Why did I miss it again? I'm sorry. The scripture says, If we repent of our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Even Jesus made provision for this. We must not forget that, look, even though we are born again, there are times we are tempted. And that's why Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are prayers people don't pray again today. Lead me not. I pray that prayer for myself, oh, because temptations are bound everywhere. Lead me not into temptation. There are times temptation will come to you physically, direct like this. Deliver me from you. Deliver me from you. If it is not real, Jesus will not teach us to do so. So one way you know you are truly in revival is when your heart is repentant for any wrongdoing that you are involved in. The moment you don't feel wrong is wrong anymore. The moment you don't see white as white and black as black anymore. Watch it. You are heading for somewhere else. That will not be the portion of anyone here. Amen. I thought you were saying amen. amen. I hope I'm on course with you tonight. Yes, Number two way by which you are, know your soul is being revived is when your heart begins to pant after God with passion. Panting after God. Thinking God. Talking God. Behaving God, passion for God, addicted to God, 
living as though you cannot live without God. If you have met drug addicts before, you understand the meaning of passion. All his life is thinking of how to get the next thing to take. I have the privilege of meeting with quite a number of them in the suburb where we are, out there. Up till last week, I saw some people addicted to drinking, seated next one to another, waiting for Kalabash to drink their burukutu. They must go there every day because they are passionate about it. There is something inside them that moves them there. There must be something you that something in you that is moving you towards God every day. People are no longer moved towards God. We take God so casual today that we don't think we should give him priority treatment. Now, let me ask you. And put this to test. When you wake up tomorrow morning, what is the first thing that occurs to your mind? For most people, their telephone. They want to find out who called, find out who sent them SMS. It has become an unconscious thing that many people have adapted in their lives. Who comes to your mind first when you wake up? Don't answer, wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow morning. A lot of things have taken our hearts today as against God taking our heart. Look at David. As the day are panted after the water groups, so my soul panted after him. Oh Lord, my God, hell will I seek thee. My soul longeth for thee. My heart and my flesh cried out for the living God. Passion for God. Are you still passionate about God? Or he has become secondary in your life? Number three. How do you know that your soul is alive? Or being revived? When your consciousness is towards making heaven. Ah. Making heaven. Everything else on earth here without making heaven is religion. Why am I going to church? Why am I in service if I won't go to heaven? Everything is vain. The ultimate journey of the believer is going to heaven. If you are not thinking heaven, you have lost your revival. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Consciousness of heaven must return back. Set your affection on the things above and not on things on the heart. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon heart, where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Where neither moth not nor moth rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. For wheresoever the, 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 your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What does that mean? 
If you want to be conscious of heaven, be sowing seeds towards the promotion of the things of heaven. Number four, among several others, how do I know my soul is being revived? When the spirit of prayer and supplication envelopes you on a daily basis, the spirit of prayer and supplication when prayer becomes habitual to you, when talking to God becomes a daily thing you cannot do without, then you know that your soul is in revival. One of the proofs of revival is prayer. When people pray, revival breaks out. Now, Zechariah chapter 10 verse 12, Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Now, Love for God is the fountain of revival. Love for God. Now, I said earlier that we are going through a very big contest of love. And scripture already wants us very clearly, both through the mouth of Jesus and a number of his apostles. Matthew 24, 12. Today, the love of God in the heart of people is dwindling. How do we know that? We know it through compromise. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We will be so tempted to live in sin. Listen to me. If you love God, you will hate sin. If you love sin, you hate God. No other line in between. Lovers of God hate sin. Living in sin makes you to despise God. The love of many shall was called. I mean, today we have people, they tell you, well, if you can go out with me for the night, you get your job. And say, what does that matter to me? Just go out with me one night and get my job. Let me get my job. Compromise here and there. The love of many, the zeal of many, the passion of many towards God, we get God, but we, we become cold because iniquity shall abound. I don't know how many of you here tonight as we speak, somebody comes to you and put gun on your head and tell you, deny Jesus. Oh, you are gone. I don't know how many will say, take my life, leave me with Jesus. That's what we are talking about. And I tell you that time is coming. It came in the time of Daniel. It came in the time of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow to the idol or you are in the fire. And this boy smiled at the king and said, well, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But should he be on break that day and want to turn us into sacrifice, we are ready for it. We are ready for it. <laughs> Technically, socially, that time is here. Bow to the idol or we throw you in the lion's den. You pray again in the name of that God, you are gone. And Daniel opened his window so they could hear him very clearly. Oh Lord God of Israel, in your name we have come again. And they say, hey, catch him. Put him there. And before he got there, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the master of the lions, 
the one to whom other lions must bow. They saw Daniel coming. They saw the lion inside him. And they decided to become mattress and pillow to him. The love of many. The love of many. The love of many. Compromise. Compromise. Beware of compromise. Beware of compromise. When I was a student, raw, raw fire, raw, raw face. A, a, school, a roommate of mine brought a girl into my room. While I was there, saying, In the name of Jesus, stop there. Somebody says, What concerns me? That's what concerns me. That's what concerns me. I'm in charge there. Somebody said, You are roommates. Yes, we are roommates. I have the right to my room. If I didn't do that, when next is coming, he will come with two girls. One for himself and one for me. Compromise. Compromise. This is how, you see, <laughs> anything you condone will soon condone you from the goodness of God. The evil we don't improve, reprove today, you will approve tomorrow. The world is pressing so hard on us. That you find many Christians, so to say, taking beer, taking wine secretly. Because you see, it's a corporate uh, meeting we are holding. If I don't take, they will suspect me. Let them suspect you. People are bowing to idols today. We are going through the test of love. Through the test of law, through the test of law, and we must wake up because compromise is going on. James chapter 4, verse 4. He said, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Believe me, watch it. If you are a toast of the world, hey, check it, check it. They commend everything you do, they call you a good man. They call you a good man. They call you a good man. Watch it. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I think that thing is confirming what I'm saying. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to be liked by the world. I want to be loved by God. Don't you read about all of those great men in Hebrews chapter 11? He said, of whom the world is not worthy. They didn't look like people that should be loved and commended by the world. Their ways are far apart from the system of the world. I'm not talking about behaving undecently against the things, the system of the world that is right. But when it is wrong, we go against it. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. Gives us a very clear one. And Paul was speaking about the end time and the things that will be happening. Where he clearly said that men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. He said, From such, turn away. From such, turn away. From such, turn away. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. These are things happening around here today without natural affection, truth breakers, 
false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. What do you do with them? Verse 5. And having a form of godliness. Is that not what we are having today? Form of everything has is counterfeit today. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power of the devil. He said, from such, turn away. From such, turn away. From such, turn away. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. To that great church, the angel said, look, this one thing I have for you. You have abandoned your first love. The things you used to do when you gave your life to Jesus, you know it right now. I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Perhaps somebody is here tonight, you are seated. You knew how zealous you were before. But where is that love now? How committed you are to the kingdom of God before? Where is it right now? He said, repent therefore, lest I remove your candle from you. The Lord will not take away your candle. Please join me say loud, Amen. This is why the highest demand from God to us is to love him. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. Deuteronomy 10 12. This is the whole duty of man. And now Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? What is he looking for from you? But to fear the Lord your God. To walk in all of his ways and to love him. And to love him. And to serve him. With all your heart and with all your soul. What was the last test that Jesus gave to Peter? John chapter 21, 15 to 17. Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? This is the greatest demand. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? This is the question all of us must ask. Do I really love God? Do I really love him? Lovest thou me? The greatest demand of God from us is love. Why? Love determines the direction of your life. Who you love, you follow. Who you love, you serve. If you truly love God, nobody will beg you to serve God. Love is the only unconditional condition for relationship with God. Love gives direction to the heart of man. Example. First Kings chapter 3 verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the status of David his father. He loved the Lord. And as a result of his love for God. He operated in the class of a prophet. How? The way Elijah called down fire. He called down fire. The prayer of Solomon was so holy that fire came down when he prayed. Love for God. But in chapter 11 verse 1, Solomon loved many strange women. High angelon women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, verse 2. 
the people whom God condemned. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn your heart away after other gods. Solomon clave unto these things. So you see, where his love went, his heart followed. He loved God, his heart followed God. Until God wins your heart, he cannot command your followership. Why is the church holding to wrong things in the world today? Because our heart is not there. Our love is not there. We are here physically, but our hearts are not there. Show me your love. I can tell where your heart is. Don't you see even the physical, when you discover who to marry, how you pursue after that lady? How you go and hang around looking for her till 11 p.m.? They tell you it's 11 p.m. What's your answer? The day is young. <laughs> you want her. You just want her. I mean, I'm not talking about unholy activity. I'm talking about even believers, genuine, genuine believers who really want to marry. You, you, want, you just want her by all means. Yeah, the day is still young. <laughs> I know the story of one of our young pastors in those days. I mean, when, when he's gone to look for her, you know, on his way, Tony will put stones in his pocket because of the backing of the dogs. What is returning? <laughs> Amen. So, if God can get my heart and your heart, then He will get us to do every other thing for Him. If God gets your heart, your giving to God will not be a problem. Solomon loved the law as a result of the law. He could give. Why can't people give today? They don't love God. Why can't people build houses for God today? They give billions for politics. I mean, church people. But they can't build a house of 15 million for God. Their heart determines the direction of their lives. That's why we are emphasizing your love for God. The spirit of love. If your heart can be stirred up towards God with love, then you will not mind giving everything to him. Why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide to die for God? They just felt, look, it would be a great offense not to love God in the face of this situation. Love is as strong as death. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. It's as strong as death. That means death cannot stop you from loving. Set me a seal upon thine heart. As a seal upon thy hand. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. And coals thereof are coals of fire. Which hath a most vehement flame. When you love God. You find your heart burning for him. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man will give all the substance of a house for law, it will utterly be contempt. This is why readiness to die for Christ 
is the ultimate proof of love for God. Allow me to repeat that again. Readiness to die for Christ is the ultimate proof of love for God. Matthew 16, 24, 25. Jesus made it clear. If you truly love me, if you want to follow me, you have to first of all disown yourself. Consider yourself as dead. Then take up my cross and follow me. Verse 25. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Paul the Apostle speaking, Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, for me to die, for me to live is Christ. That means if I'm alive, it's for Christ. If I die, it is gain to me in a bit to, to live for him. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Readiness to die for Christ is ultimate proof of love for God. This is the foundation of revival. If your spirit man is not in love with God, how can you claim to be connected with God? Love for God makes you one with God and brings you into partnership and union with him. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 38. Paul was a very clear example. He was an ever-revived man. A man who lived his life to a point that People were calling him the God who have come down in the likeness of men. A man from whose body handkerchiefs and apron were taken to cast out devils. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Say loud amen. amen. Say loud amen. amen. Today we live in a generation that people who command God and say, God, you don't give me a job, I go back from following you. Lord, I give you three days. You are wasting my time too much. I said three days. You don't give me money for my accommodation, I go to where I'm coming from. You better quickly go. You better quickly go. We are to love him. If you meet a couple, a genuine couple, they don't talk about connection through material needs. I mean, material, material you know, provision. Whether they have it or not, they just love themselves. I started with my wife, humble beginning. We had many things that, I mean, we have, we have things lacking that people would think should make for love. But they were not there. They were not there. I had no furniture. Except for the church bench that we use. The only fan I have in my room, a very wonderful fan, when they start singing, uh, you can't sleep again. <laughs> you put it on, waga, 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 waga. Amen. <laughs> you don't know whether you should put it on or leave it, leave it out. You know, but at the same time, you have heat. That is contending with you out there. So let the fan blow and believe God that your ears will monitor it very well and filter it so you can sleep well. We loved ourselves. We loved ourselves. And today, we're just there. Can't be talking about material things again. Now, that's the relationship we must keep with God. Whether He keeps me alive or make me dead, I am for Him.
That's what Paul meant there. Nothing can separate me. If you read the story of Paul, it was not the, it was not the story of prosperity all through. No. There were nights he slept in the deep. Paul said, I know both how to abound and how to be abased in all things I can do. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Look, I'm a teacher, believer of prosperity. But that's not the reason I'm serving God. No. That's not the reason I'm serving God. I'm not serving God for things. In the days when we began to preach, we, we didn't know the meaning of people giving you offering when you finish preaching. You preach to them and you give them offering when you are living. <laughs> so we don't go around today with the condition of how much will you give me when I come to preach in your church. No. But that's what we have today in many quarters. People see me in some places and ask me, what are you doing here? People of your class don't go to your church like this. I say, you missed it. You missed it. We don't go to places for what we will get there. We go to places to bless people out there. I was in some, you know, some corners preaching on Thursday. And one of them saw me who said he knew me many years back. He said, sir, what are you doing here? Among drunkards, drug addicts. What are you doing here? I said, I came because of you. I came because Jesus came for you. I came down to your level because God came down to your level. Believe me, if I have no car today, I will not be happier than I, I will not be happier than I was then. It's not my life. My life is love for God. Love doesn't operate by condition. Love does not operate by material things. Love is love any day, any time, any condition. This is where we must get to as the church of Jesus. We don't preach prosperity to entice people. No. Prosperity is a product that comes to us for doing the right thing we should do. I don't pray for money, yet I don't lack money. The day will never come in my life when I'll be praying for money. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. I'm content with what I have. If it's water, give me our drink. The scripture says, having therefore food, not foods, Food and raiment, raiment, one cloth. He said, let us there we be content. Love for God. Passion for God. As I begin to close, how do you prove your love for God? Number one, if you love God, you will walk in the fear of God. Thou lovest righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God thy God has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Thy throne, O Lord, is forever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Psalm 45. Verses 6 and 7. Do you fear God? Ask yourself, do I really fear God? Somebody is wondering, what does it mean to fear God? Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13. The fear of God is to depart from evil. The fear of God drives people away from evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, which includes pride, arrogance, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. If you love God, 
you will fear him. Joseph said, but I feared God. Genesis chapter 42 verse 18. And we saw how he demonstrated it in chapter 39. Everything was left in his hand. 39, let's take it from verse 6 or verse 7 to save time. And Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Material, social, physical, including his wife. And he knew what he had, saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. That's how the world is casting her eyes on the church today. Compromise with me. Compromise with me. Compromise with me. But Joseph refused. He didn't infuse. He refused. There was no fusion. There was refusion and refusal. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanted not what is with me in this house. And had committed all that he had to my hand. Look at There is none greater in this house than I. Neither had he kept back anything from me. But you, his wife, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Until you define sin as wickedness, you never become free from it. Until you define sin as wickedness, you never become free from it. The biblical definition of sin is wickedness. Wickedness. You rob your fellow brother in church, wickedness. Revival can come down with sin on ground. Until sin goes, revival cannot come. Until the floor is clean, revival cannot flow. It's a waste of energy wishing and hoping that revival will come, living in sin. For shall we continue in sin and grace will abound? God forbid. How do you prove your love for God? Number two, if you truly love God, you will long to spend time with him. You will long to spend time with him. Like David, Psalm 55 verse 17, three times, morning, afternoon, evening, will I pray. People who love God have shed do time with him. Check yourself. Very dangerous appointment that people give you today. They tell you to come to see them at 7 a.m. on Sunday. And you send a message to your pastor or service unit leader. Excuse me, I have an appointment. 7 a.m. on Sunday. On Sunday. Satan is very full of schemes. He gradually wants to eat into us. Gradually. Gradually. We all must develop scheduled times of meeting with God. David says, seven times will I praise thee, O Lord. Averagely, David was going to church ten times in a day. And this was a king. Who told you you cannot be spiritual and still succeed? Unfortunately, some very wrong doctrines are going on today. People accusing and abusing the church. That the reason why the church is not doing well is because we are too spiritual. That's not true. It's not true. It's not true. They are not familiar with history. That's why they are talking that way. If you want to find out, 
about industrial and economic progress of this nation, get back to history. Everything came out from the church. For instance, in the wave of the new generation of bank, 25 of them that came up, only one was not a Christian. And when history is being checked about their parents, some of them, their parents are elders, pastors, elders. They are byproduct of revival. They were born into revival. They were born in, with high intelligence. The church is not a dull place. The church is a place where when people truly serve God, he raises them up as giants. Take away the church from this nation. The church is doomed. I mean, the nation is doomed. I'm telling you the truth. Let's get back to it. Don't let people confuse you. All they are trying to do is to stop us from worshiping and serving God the way we should. Keep serving him. Zion is a fountain of life. If you can, check all the scientists of old. Isaac Newton, Michael Faraday. Those were heavy brains, but deep lovers of God. Who are not ashamed to put their Bibles on their tables for whatever they are doing. If you have another reason to advance for the church not making progress, you are free to do so, but not on the account of spirituality. Not on the account of spirituality. Spirituality is foundation for intellectualism. Spirituality. Don't you see what was missing about Jesus? And the child walked strong in the spirit and was full of wisdom. You can't be, you cannot be spiritual and not be intellectual. Now, Find out how many private universities are in this nation. Count it. Find out how many of them are owned by churches. It will surprise you. Find out how many of them are in the forefront. Church-owned universities. How did they get there? If they are only spiritual and they are not intelligent. Covenant University today. That was means started by Living Faith Church under the leadership of Bishop Oedeko. It's in the forefront. Forefront, not only in this nation, but in the entire continent. In the forefront. How? Spirituality, foundation. Intellectualism, the pillar. You cannot be spiritual and not rise. The church. The church. As a matter of fact, we have not done enough. More churches have been planted all across the globe, so that the spirit of the Lord can cover the entire heart as the waters covers the sea. Say loud, amen. amen. If you truly love God, you will spend time with God. David, the king of Israel, whose reign is still remembered 3,000 years after, celebrated David, number one man in Israel, was a highly spiritual man. A man who will say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. No matter your position, if you are not a church man, something is wrong somewhere. Many of us know Henry Haynes. You eat Henry Haynes beans, Henry Haynes cuts, you know, whatever, salad, cream, and all of that. Henry Haynes was a church man. He was a church man. As a matter of fact, Henry Haynes left a word that if I die, put on my tongue. Henry Haynes. Number one, church man. Number one, church man. He was a Sunday school children teacher in his church. He was an elder in his church. We are talking about how church people who love God 
affected their generation. If you truly love him, you will love to spend time with him. Because the time you spend with him will pay you back with high premium effect around your world. Number three, if you truly love God, you will love to win souls into his kingdom. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3, 16. If you truly love God, you will love what he loves. And number one thing, God loves his souls. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he said the love of Christ constrained us. If you are not a soul winner, you are not a true lover of God. If you are not a true soul winner, or rather if you are not a soul winner, you are not a true lover of God. Somebody is saying, what are pastors there for? Soul winning is not, not only the work of pastors, it is the work of all believers. Jesus said to all of us, go ye into all the world and preach. Go and preach. Go outside the gate and bear his reproach. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 13. Matthew chapter 20. I mean chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 to 20. Luke chapter 14 from verses 17 to 23. Emphasizing the same thing. John chapter 15 verse 8. Then verse 16. Emphasizing the same thing. If you truly love God, you will love to rescue the people whom he loves. Be a soul winner. Go to the street, Jesus said. Go to the highways. Go to the edges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. Somebody's wondering, what is this church growth about? It's not about counting number. It's about leading people to heaven. Why is the church? Why must we bring them to church? We bring them to church to establish them in the faith. To make them take root downward and bear fruit upward. Say a loud amen. amen. A loud amen. amen. That's why all of us seated here. Before this week runs out, go to the street corner somewhere. People are everywhere. You don't have to travel far. Go and win souls. Go for souls. And God will go with you. Now, <laughs> Jesus said, as you go, I am with you always. The most assuring thing that makes God be with you is when you win so. And many of us seated here, by the grace of God, we are in a position to do that. You are doing birthday party. Do it in such a manner that people who will come will hear the word of life and give their life to Jesus. You are an employer of labor. Tell your staff, this coming Sunday we are going to do Thanksgiving and all of you must be there. They won't say no to you because they need your money. You use your affluence for influence. Say loud amen. That's why God made you rich. When I go home, I don't tell my family members I want to pray for you. They are the ones who say, Pastor, won't you pray? Before I became a pastor. Because my pocket speaks. Amen. Some of you said that um, your mother doesn't like you. Like one of our staff told me many years ago. He said, uh, I don't know why my mother doesn't like me. I said, I know the reason why. <laughs> so I mandated them to be bringing some money for me to keep for him. When the money became much, I said, go and give it to your mother. By the time the money landed with the mother, come and see prayer. Come and see accolade. My son, I've missed you for a long time. 
<laughs> they say your mother need milk and uh, tea to drink. You are saying, Mama, shall we pray? Or Mama, I will send to you anointing oil. Or Mama, I will send you to you mount uh, Thank you, my Peking. <laughs> and make you not send that thing again now. The one where I have is still remain. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your mother says she won't give her life to Christ. Invite her to your house. To that your duplex. Put her in a room with cool hair condition. Breakfast is ready before she woke up. On Monday. On Tuesday, everything is cool. By herself, on Friday, she will come and ask you, which time they say your church they start on Sunday? <laughs> what am I saying? You have plenty of opportunity. Some of you have tailors who don't know Jesus. They sew for you regularly. Why can't you tell them, follow me to church on Sunday. I'll be putting on this dress. I want you to see how it looks on my body. You, and you will bring them by enemies. That's what Jesus said. He said, go to the highway and edges and compare them to come. Some of you are so blessed here. Yeah? You can put vehicle on the road for people to come to church. There are many people hiding everywhere in corners all around this city. Take vehicle there. And invite them and compare them to they are ready to go anywhere. Many people are around us today who don't have direction, they don't know the, the difference between left hand and right hand. Call them in, call the poor. When the rich didn't come, Jesus said, Go and bring the poor, the men. That's why I go to the corners to go and look for people who don't have houses, people who don't have food, and bring them to come. And as they come, God blesses them and make them rich. We have seen people who came to church with bedroom sleepers who now have their homes. They come, they give their life to Jesus. We teach them about the way of God. And suddenly God begins to prosper them. None of us seated here can truly claim you love God if you are not winning souls for him. Wake up. When you are coming to church on Sunday, get somebody to come along with you. Get somebody to come along with you. Now, if you truly love a man, don't you take your friends to go and meet him. If they ask you to go to uh, meet the president in the uh, state house today, it will be your pride to call one of your friends and say, the president called for me. Would you like to go with me? Let's go together. And then you get it. This is my friend. Why don't you bring somebody to Jesus, the greatest president, and tell him, Jesus, this is my friend. Take him. This is my friend. Save him. This is my friend. If you are not excited, saying soul saved, then your soul is dead. You need revival. You need revival. Say loud, amen. amen. Number four, how do you prove your love for God? You prove your love for God by taking pleasure in the advancement in his house. Everything about church is of great interest to you. Psalm 1, 2, 2, verse 1, David said, I was glad when they say unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The number one priority on David's mind was the house of God. He spent the largest sum of his money for the house of God. Second, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse, verse, verse 3, it's because of my affection for the house of God. Because of my affection for the house of God. He was a deep lover of God. And Psalm 102, verses 13 and 14. Arise, thou shalt arise and show mercy unto Zion for the time to favor our ye. They said time is come. The time to favor Zion has come because he loved the dust and the stone thereof. 
let your passion be for the house of God. Something is needed in the house of God. You are there to supply it. You don't have the means, but you have the time to spend for the house of the Lord. Say loud, amen. amen. You are in one service unit or the other. Your passion for the house of God until they become, they start calling you Madam Church. They called us like that before, but the difference is clear today. In those days when we clap in church, they ask who are those boys clapping there? They don't ask that question again. The first church I pastored, nobody had bicycle in that church, sir. No bicycle. But today, by God's privilege, they count cars in thousands. Not human beings. Cars in thousands. 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. In those days, we don't prepare room for car park because nobody had car. But now, can any church buy land of one acre and think he has land? We buy now in a large span of land. And God is providing for it. It was not so before. They mocked us before, but God has made us today. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will give everything to serve my God. I have not found anyone I can give anything to like I will give to God. Not one. I will never give to any cause in my life more than I give to God. Never. If what you give to other things in life is not up to what you give to God, query yourself. Whether you true. Because you give the best to the person you love. You give the best to the person you love. You give your best to the person you love most. There are people who give to football. Born again Christians. They don't give to church. Where is your love? David said, because of my love for God, I have given so much for the house of my God. So much for the house of my God. Advancing the kingdom of God. I'm looking forward to a time when in one year, I will build 100 churches for Jesus. Not because I'm a pastor. No. But because I love God. Because I love God. Because I love God. Last year, I was privileged, my wife and I, to build six churches. That's apart from other things we build for people here and there. Just loving God. There's nothing too much for me to give to God because I love him. When you truly love him, everything about the house of God will take the hold of you. Say a loud amen. amen. A louder amen. amen. Now, if you truly love God, number five, you will want to know more about God via his word. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, they put out no their God shall be strong and they shall do exploit. If you truly love God, you will assume you don't know anything yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Let him that ticket he knows anything know that he does not know yet as he ought to know. If you truly love God. And finally, if you truly love God, you will always desire to obey him with delightsomeness. You just love him. Abraham, bring your son. Thank you, master. And the Bible says, and Abraham said to his servant, I am the lad will go and worship God. Ah, your only begotten son, we will go and worship God. We will go and worship God. Obeying God with delight was the secret behind Abraham's lifting. John 14, 21 and 23, Jesus made a clear statement. The proof of your love is obedience to God. Obedience to God. He said, if you love me, you will keep my word. And I and the Father will come and dwell with you because of your heart of love for God. 
This is why we must wake up and direct our love to God. By all of these parameters that have been presented to us. If you love him, you will stay alive. You will stay revived. You will stay connected. Your spirit man will be connected to him. And once your spirit man is connected to him, you cannot be an unrevived soul. And you know what this half does? Once you are a lover of God, you start, you become contagious everywhere you go to. You infect people with that love. Just like sinners infect communities with their sin. You infect everywhere. You become a lover that is compelling others to love God. Say loud, amen. From today, everyone who meets you will love God. I say they will love God. Everyone who meets you from today, they will love God. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Rise to your feet with me, please. And lift up your hand. Ask God to baptize you afresh with the spirit of love. You need to ask for the baptism of the spirit of love right now. If you truly love God, you will stay revived. You will stay alive. You will stay in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me ask you to put a bit more energy in this prayer right now. If this prayer matters to you, it's not prayer for things, but it is a prayer that can bring things to come your way. It is the prayer that will bring things to come your way. Now, if you can, will you please lift up your two hands and make your voice loud. Father, baptize me with the spirit of love for you. Yes, raise your voice some more. Raise your voice some more. That is it. Be desperate about it. Be desperate about it. Be desperate about it. Pray with focus. Pray with understanding. Father, baptize me afresh with the spirit of love. Love for you. Love for your kingdom. Love for everything about you. Baptize me afresh. Father, in the name of Jesus, deliver me from the spirit of worldliness. Deliver me from the things of the world. Deliver me from the adultery of the things of the world. Deliver me, Lord. I love you with the whole of my heart. Make your confession right now. Make your declaration. I love you with the whole of my heart. I love you with the whole of my heart. With the whole of my being. I love you, Lord. 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 Everything in me is saying, I love you, Lord. Everything in me is crying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, we are prayed. Please remain standing with me quickly before we close the service tonight or before I round up this teaching. Wherever you are standing, I love you with the love of Jesus. Everything I've said tonight is not to condemn anyone, but to awaken our spirit man to get us closer to God so that we can remain revived. Should someone be here tonight, you know that you have not truly given your life to Jesus. This is a call to your conscience you know you've not given your life to Jesus you are just being religious you are just being a moralist you just like to do good things but deep inside you your spirit tells you you are not born again you are not born you are not a child of God something tells you that wrong thing you are doing is hindering you from genuine closeness with God you look religious that's how I was before before I gave my life to Jesus I was a committed church member. I was even in the choir, but I had not given my life to Jesus. Tonight, you know there are things you are doing in your life that is displeasing to God. I want to say to Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to come to you. I want to surrender my life to you. Whosoever you are, wherever you are, I know you're already saying in your heart, Pastor, please pray for me. 
please pray. I want to surrender my life to God. I want to do it sincerely. Or maybe you gave your life to Jesus before, but you are backslidden. Your love for God has grown cold. You are compromising here and there. You know it in your heart. You need to return back home like the prodigal son. Give me a chance to pray with you. Jesus is saying, come to me. I will not throw you away. Whosoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast away. God does not throw away anybody. There is no too bad anybody for God. He will save you. He will rescue you. Wherever you are, will you lift up your right hand? Give me a chance to pray for you. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be restored back to the faith. If you are raising your hand, raise it properly above your head. God bless you. If you are doing that right now, God bless you. God bless you. I can see one, two hands or more up above your head. Let Jesus see you. God bless you. All of you who are raising your hand, will you give me a chance to see you closer here at the altar? Take that step and come right now. You are backsliding. You want to be restored back to the faith. If you came to church with anything tonight, your bag, your telephone, your, your Bible, come quickly. I'm waiting for you here. Come, 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 come and meet with Jesus here. If you are coming quickly, come. God bless you. They are coming from everywhere. They are coming from everywhere. If you are at the back there, make sure you are not the last person to arrive here. God bless you. Don't leave anything you came to church with behind. I thank God for your genuineness, for your sincerity. God bless you for your sincerity. That's how I came out one night and Jesus touched me. Jesus saved me. Jesus cleansed me. Now listen to me. Religiosity can never take the place of genuineness of salvation. No. I thought so until I came to Jesus. Until I met him. I was in the choir. I was singing. But I didn't know Jesus. I was full of religion. But my life was not changed. I believe there are individuals here tonight. The spirit of God is telling you. Take a step. Take a step. Go to the altar. Go and receive that prayer. If you are. It will be a joy. That you are sincere before God tonight. I'm waiting for a few more people who need to come. If you are out there and you need to be here. Take that step right now. The spirit of God is calling you. And you know it very well. The spirit is bidding to you to come. To come. The spirit and the bride is calling you. Come. Come. If you are coming. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. It's your chance. It's your opportunity. God bless you. You may even be a church worker. And you know that you are backslidden. You are compromising here and there. Don't bother about who is looking at you. No. Don't bother. A revived soul doesn't care who is looking at him or her. You want to genuinely say, Jesus, have mercy on me. And whosoever you are, he will show you mercy. People may have castigated you. People may have said something wrong about you. But Jesus is saying, don't you worry. I will save you. Come just as you are. Another call for you. Just a few more seconds. You know your heart is here. But your body is keeping you there. Somebody is saying, must I go out? It's Jesus who said you should come. Jesus is the one who said, come. It's not the pastor. It's not your guest minister. No, it is Jesus who is saying, come, 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 come. If you are still there, let me help your decision. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. If you are coming, don't hold back. Don't delay. Thank you, Jesus. Please join me, everyone. Let's wave our hand and give thanks to God for this salvation of souls tonight. There is joy in heaven over every soul that is saved. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for these souls that are committed to you tonight. Receive our thanks in Jesus' precious name. Every one of us at the altar here, please put your right hand on your heart. And pray this prayer with me. Say with me, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Save me tonight. 
make me your child. Wash away my sins. Give me a new beginning. I receive your power to go and sin no more. Thank you for saving me. I'm now a child of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please look in the direction of my hand. Go after the church official. God bless you. Clap your hands some more for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Please lift up your hand. I decree that fresh fire come upon every soul tonight. I pray that the love of God burns in the heart of every one of us here tonight. In a new way, in the name of Jesus. I decree that the spirit of the world that quenches revival be taken away from our lives. In the name of Jesus. Lord, if there are wrong things we have done or we are doing in our lives, we ask for your pardon tonight. We ask for your cleansing tonight. We ask for your forgiveness tonight. Let there be fresh outpouring of your spirit upon our lives to the glory and praise of your name. And Lord, as this meeting continues, let there be greater grace, greater fire, greater glory to the glory and praise of your name. Thank you, mighty Father. In Jesus' precious name. Wave your hand again and give glory to God. It's worth Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed by it. To get a copy of this message, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or send an email to info at rogic.org. That is info at rhogic.org. You can also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of free quality resources including Rogic Radio, and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life. And for real-time ministry, you can follow or like our Facebook page, Revival House of Glory International Church and Horn of Revival Ministry. You could also subscribe to our YouTube page at Rogic TV and at Apostle Goodheart to watch messages from the Horn of Revival Ministry. God bless you.